Father, we do declare your name to be worthy. We declare you to be worthy of all the praise and all the honor and all the power. And we bring the best of our worship to you. We lay our, our lives down at the altar. That's all we have and that's all you ask for. And we hold nothing back. We lay our, our thoughts, we lay our hearts, we bring our bodies as living sacrifices. Our doubts, our struggles, our pain, we bring it to you. Our joy, our victory, our praise, we bring it to you. And we lay it at your feet. God, we pray that you would be honored. You would be pleased with our worship for his true worship from our hearts. And now as we continue to pray these 29 days of focused prayer as a people, we pray for your church. We pray for your church to be a witness in a world that is confused. In our, in our nation where there are competing ideologies, where, where there are those who, who have no idea of, of your intent and your design and are wanting us to stray from, from the truth. And then there are those who are so committed to the truth and, and so religious that they are so self-righteous and have no grace and the spirit of Christ is not in them. So God, we pray that as a church, you help us to be both people of truth and grace, that we would stand on the truth and proclaim the truth and live the truth, but we would do so in the spirit of Christ with grace and love so that the unbelieving world will want to know you. So we pray that we be that kind of witness Lead us to that freedom that only you can bring. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. You may take your seat. I'm going to invite our first through sixth grade congregation, our children from first through sixth grade to go to children's worship right here with Pastor Susan and her helpers. And I hope you have an excellent time of worship together. About a month ago, I had the opportunity to be in an interesting meeting. It was a meeting of our Texas Baptist University presidents and our Texas Baptist child care agencies. And so these people are in charge of uh, educating our young people and caring for families that are fostering or adopting children. And one of the common themes that they talked about was how there were some new laws that were affecting them and that will affect them in the days to come. And uh, how some worldviews that are not biblical worldviews are, are coming down the pipeline and are making it hard for Christian universities and Christian childcare 
agencies to be faithful to our convictions about marriage and and what the Bible says about sexuality and and all of that is connected. And as they were lamenting and foreseeing the challenges that were ahead, one of the presidents of these institutions stood up and said, you know, I, I see our situation as leaders of Christian institutions as one of two possible scenarios. Thinking of when the Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity, he said there were those Jews who, as they were being dragged from Jerusalem to Babylon, they, they had their fingernails out and they were just trying to hold on as best they could. And they lamented the fact that they were being taken into captivity. That's one option. He said, and then there's the other option. It's the option of Daniel. Daniel found himself already in Babylon but rather than lamenting and longing for the old days in Jerusalem, Daniel figured out a way to be faithful even in a pagan land. And so when it comes to us today in our culture and in the things that are happening around us, the question is how do we respond? Do we see ourselves as victims of secularism or do we see opportunities to shine in the midst of the darkness? Do we see ourselves as being in captivity under someone else or, or do we see ourselves living in freedom? Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He didn't say, if you have the right laws in your country, you will be free. He didn't say, if the culture agrees with you, you will be free. He, he didn't say, if, if, if the right people are in government, you will be free. He said, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. True freedom is found first and foremost in Jesus. It's the most important and highest kind of freedom. And if we're concerned about freedom and the situation in our land and the circumstances around us, we must begin with Jesus. We must begin with the freedom that he brings. We're starting a new series today that we're calling Freedom. And we want to explore, as, as mainstream culture tries to redefine family and human identity, we want to discover the freedom that Jesus gives. As society seems to devalue God's design for the family, how does the freedom that Jesus give us make a difference for us and for others? So we're going to talk about freedom for singles. We're going to talk about freedom for dads. We're going to talk about freedom for marriages, freedom for families, and then freedom for seniors. And so today we start with freedom for singles. And the first thing that I think we are called to, and it is really important that we begin there, is that we are called to be free from spiritual bondage. For the unbelieving world, freedom often means wanting to do whatever I want to do. It is a self-centered pursuit of whatever I feel I need, of whatever I feel I want. And I don't want anybody else to interrupt or to interfere. It's my body. It's my freedom. I do what I want. And it often ignores any kind of moral stance. It ignores the design of God for us. 
Freedom, sometimes the freedom that the world calls freedom is really not freedom, but it is bondage to sin. I think of Ian, a 20-year-old college student who, who had a very promising future, an excellent athlete, a, a good-looking young man who was popular and, and went on to a good college. In eighth grade, he, he wanted to explore. He wanted to use his freedom to explore with drugs, and, and he started getting involved with marijuana. And as he got older into high school, he, he wanted to exercise his freedom to, to try new drugs. And by the time he got to college, he was addicted to heroin. And he was so addicted and so torn and, and so beat up by his addiction that he wanted out. And he reached out to his parents and they got him uh, rehab and, and counseling. And in the midst of some sobriety, at age 19, he said to his mom, Mom, I messed up. It's not dad's fault. It's not your fault. I take responsibility. I messed up. He wanted out of drugs so bad. And his mom was hopeful that one night when the addiction became stronger than his desire to be free, he overdosed on heroin. And his mom found him dead the next day. What seemed to start out as freedom became bondage and took his life. Whether it's a drug addiction or immorality or greed, often what starts out as my freedom, I do what I wanna do, often turns into bondage because we're given into our sinful nature. Just because you're bent in that direction doesn't mean that that's what God wants for you. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus sets us free from sin, from spiritual bondage. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they thought they were exercising their freedom, but instead what they did, they invited sin into their lives and it ruled over them. And that's the good news of the gospel, that Jesus came to take care of our sin problem. He came to free us from what enslaves us. He came to restore us to God's original design. Listen, that's where freedom is. The way God created it, the way God made it, the way God meant for it to be, that's where freedom is. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. Wow, God the crown of God's creation is humanity. He made us in his image, male and female, reflect the likeness and the image of God. God made us to reflect his glory and his beauty. The awful thing about sin is that it mars the image of God in us. It steals our freedom. It robs us of real enjoyment. Some people say, I just want to live life and I want to have a good time. I want to enjoy my life before I do anything religious. And, and the thing that I want to say to them, listen, the only way and the best way to enjoy life is to enjoy it the way God meant for it to be. He came to set us free. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. He came to free us from sin and spiritual bondage. The first human institution that 
that God established was the family. Before there was government, there was a family in the Garden of Eden. Before there was a society, there was a family in the Garden of Eden. Before there was a nation, there was a family. Before there was a church, there was a family. And that's why it's so important to understand what God meant for the family to be, what God meant for us to be as is his image. The sun sets us free from sin so that we can live according to God's original design. Whoever you are, whether single or married, young or old, God created you in his image to live free from sin. As you trust your life to Jesus Christ, he will free you from, from anything that pulls you in the wrong direction. Singles, you are called to freedom, true freedom, the freedom that Christ gives. So if today you find yourself in bondage, maybe it's an addiction, I invite you, come to Jesus so that he can free you. If today you find yourself caught in past sin and the shame and the guilt that that brings, Come to Jesus. He wants to free you of that shame and guilt. If today you're, you're in bondage of past hurt, something that happened to you, something that someone did to you today, you can come to Jesus and he can free you from that pain, from that hurt of the past. If you are in addiction, if you are in bondage, if you are under the lies of the enemies that are speaking lies to your life, then, then come to Jesus because he's the truth. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free, free from spiritual bondage. Secondly, we are called to be free from social pressure. Once we've experienced freedom from spiritual bondage, we can live freely in whatever state, station God has called us. Paul answers a question from the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth had, had been freed from spiritual bondage. They had come out of their paganism and they had discovered the, the, the power of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. They had become Jesus followers. And, and, and they're so excited about what they're experiencing that they want to do it fully. And, but they were from a pagan background. They had no upbringing in the Jewish faith. They didn't understand the Old Testament because they didn't, grow up like that so they they write to Paul and they said now that we're followers of Jesus what are what is the best thing to do 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 are we should we be single or should we be married because we want to be in the most spiritual state possible so if being single is the most spiritual thing to do what do I do with my spouse <laughs> Or if being married is the most spiritual thing to do, then, then what am I supposed to do if I'm still single? And so uh, Paul answers their question and he lets them know that the freedom they have in Christ carries over into their status. That, that Christ has come to set them free in whatever state they find themselves in. And I want to invite you to see uh, some of Paul's comments to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 17 uh, is, is where he uh, answers this question directly. Uh, it says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Just in case that anyone thought that a particular marital status was more spiritual than the other, Paul says, 
Whatever situation you find yourself in, that's the best situation. Whatever situation God has called you to be in, that's the best situation. In other words, there are no second class members of the family of God. Married, singles, widows, you're all VIPs in God's family. No marital status is the goal of the Christian life. Marriage is a beautiful gift. I am so blessed and so thankful that I'm married. It's a beautiful thing. But marriage is not the ultimate goal of being a follower of Jesus. The ultimate goal of being a follower of Jesus is to know Jesus and to make him known. You see, a lot of people think, you know, if I could just get married, I would be happy. Or some people that are married say, if I could just get single, I'd be happy. <laughs> Listen, the marital status, single or married, doesn't bring happiness. Happiness, freedom, fulfillment comes from Jesus. If you want meaningful relationships as a single or as a married person, you need to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus first. And so that's the goal of the Christian life. You know, sometimes we put pressure on singles to be married. So there are singles that say, I don't want to go home for Thanksgiving because I can just hear my aunt saying, when are you going to get married? Who are you dating? Well, so I am dating. Show me pictures. So I don't, there's a lot of pressure. Sometimes churches maybe unconsciously or unwillingly put pressure on singles and they make them feel like they haven't arrived yet. It's like, oh, you know, we'll pray for you. Like one of these days you're gonna be complete, you know? And sometimes singles feel left out because all we talk is about marriage and, and things like that. And Paul tells singles, listen, you've been freed by Christ and you are free from social pressure. Verse 23 of the same chapter, look at what it says. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Singles, Christ has redeemed you to himself. You belong to him. He bought you with a price and you are freed from the pressures that society puts on you. Whether people are telling you to get married or people are telling you, oh no, don't get married because everything will go wrong. Whatever people are pressuring you to do or not do, remember this, Christ has redeemed you to himself. And if he wants you to be single, then that's the best thing that, that can be for you. And if he wants you to be married, then that's the best thing that can be for you. If he wants you to be single for a season and then get married later in life, that's the best thing that can happen to you. And if he wants you to be single the rest of your life, then that's the best thing that can happen. Whatever God wants for you, that's the best. So you best get to figure out what God wants for you. Not what other people are trying to tell you that you need. You're free from that pressure. In 1 Corinthians 7, 7 and 8, uh, Paul says this. You know, Paul was single when he wrote this. He says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another one has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Paul says, look, I'm, I'm single and I pretty much recommend this status. You know, I, I remember several years ago that a church in another part of the state was looking for a pastor and they called me, one of the men uh, from the church called me to ask me for advice. He said, listen, we're looking for a pastor and, and the, the one that we really like, he's really good at this 
and he's good at this and he's good at this. He told me all his qualities. He goes, the only problem is that he's single. And I said, okay. So, yeah, he goes, we can't, we can't call him as a pastor because he's single. I mean, he's supposed to be married if you want to be a pastor. I said, okay, so if the apostle Paul came to apply at your church, you would not let him? If Jesus came to apply to your church, you won't let him because Jesus was single. Well, I never thought about it that way. You know, Paul tells us here that being single is a gift. Being married is a gift also. In God's design, there are two valid gifts. There's the gift of being single, which should be lived in chastity. And then there's the gift of being married, which should be lived in faithfulness to your spouse. God created the gift of sex to be enjoyed by a husband and a wife within the marriage relationship. Any sexual activity outside of a man and a woman in marriage is a sin. Has God given you the gift of marriage? To live freely in that gift, being faithful to your spouse. Has God given you the gift of being single? Then live freely in that gift, in purity, in sexual purity, and unto God. One of the astounding things that we discovered uh, this week, our preaching team as we were getting ready for, for this message is, how the number of single households has grown over the last 70 years. Did you know that in 1949, 78.8% of households in the US had a married couple in it. And by 2019, only 48.2% of households have a married couple in it. That means that we've gone from almost an 80% of married households to less than half of the population are married households. Married households are the minority now. The majority of the population now are singles. Some of them have never married. Some of them are divorced. Some of them are widows or, or widowers. But they are a significant portion of our population. There's a lot that we could ask about that, a lot of observations we can make. But let me just make the following. One is to singles. Singles, we see you and we love you, and we hope that you feel welcome as first-class members of this church. And church, I hope that we embrace singles and that we are encouragers to them and that we become an extended family to them, that we become a community that encourages them. Not just telling them what they should do, but walking along to what God has called them to do. And to married people, let me say this to you. Live your marriage in such a way that when the singles that are called to be married look at you, say, I want that. That we would uphold the beauty of marriage for them in such a way that say, man, I wanna be in that kind of a situation. But above all, let us embrace the freedom that Christ has given us in whatever station we find ourselves in, free from social pressure and living according to God's call and gifting in our lives. And then third and final, we are called singles, you're called to serve fully. Singles are able to serve Christ with single devotion. A very exciting thing happened about a month ago in Dallas Baptist University, Bo Pilgrim's Chapel. 
232 summer missionaries were commissioned. 232 singles, college students, who said we're gonna give our summer away to serve somewhere in Texas or somewhere beyond Texas. And many of them are part of Calvary. Some of them are your sons and daughters. And they are saying, look, instead of just goofing around this summer, instead of, of doing something else, we're gonna give our summer to service. Can you imagine how many lives are impacted by those 232 missionaries this summer? Here at Calvary, some of our best and most dedicated volunteers are singles. Singles serve in the children's ministry. They serve in the student ministry. They're serving our worship. They serve in media. In fact, when, when our building was closed and we were online only, the only ones that came here is, is myself and, and singles that were running cameras and equipment to make sure the live stream went on. They serve in the cafe. They served in mobilization and missions. We are so thankful for you singles and the way that you give of your time and of your energy to the Lord. Many of us understand the benefits of marriage, companionship and intimacy. And in some cases, children. And in really cool cases, grandchildren. But Paul states the benefits of being a single here. In verse 32 through 35, look at what he says of 1 Corinthians 7. He says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul is speaking right here to the unmarrieds. He's not telling married people to get out of their marriages, okay? I just want to make sure you understand that. He's saying, saying singles, look, you have an opportunity to serve God in a fully devoted way, in a focused way. It's a blessing to do so. I want to tell you about one of our singles, uh, the, from one of our families here at Calvary. His name is Christian, and uh, he's related to, to one of our families here. He's been in our student ministry, has struggled with his faith, had a lot of doubts and questions, and was not a committed follower of Christ until about two weeks ago when a single missionary from Guatemala came to Reynosa, where Christian has been living and working, and, and he share the gospel with Christian again, not the first time he heard it, but he shared it. And Christian made a commitment to make Jesus his Lord and Savior. And then immediately after his commitment, Stephen, the missionary from Guatemala that was in Reynosa, trained him on how to share his faith and took him. There are, there's a plaza in Reynosa where there are 600 Central Americans living in tents. And so Stephen and Christian went over there and they shared their faith with some of the people, some of the migrants there. And they, they, they trusted Christ. And then Christian said, well, if you trust Christ, are you willing to be baptized? And they said, yes. So they found a swimming pool to baptize them. Well, let me show you a little clip of how Christian, in a matter of days, trusted Christ, shared his faith and baptized somebody. 
antes de eso? Enseñándoles. Antes de eso. Bautizándolos en el nombre del Padre, el Hijo y el Espíritu Santo. Bautizándoles en el nombre del Padre, el Hijo y el Espíritu Santo. Como algo sencillo, como el segundo. Hay gente que mucha Single missionary from Guatemala came and shared the gospel with a single in Reynosa who shared the gospel with someone else, baptized them, trained them to share the gospel, and they shared the gospel with someone else. In that, in that plaza of 600 people, 200 people trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. 25 of them were baptized. There were two couples that said, we can't get baptized because we're not married, but we're living together. And so yesterday, Osvaldo officiated two weddings among the camp, trained 10 leaders to continue. A hundred people got up at five o'clock one morning to have a prayer meeting in that plaza. And, and a lot of married people were involved in this, but a lot of singles were involved in this. They were giving of their time in a focused ways. You don't have to be single to serve the Lord with all your heart, but, but if you're single, you get to do it with complete freedom. So I wanna to say to you, Exercise your freedom to serve the master. Give him your best, the best of your time and the best of your energies, the best of your resources. If you place your faith in Christ, he has made you free to live for him. In a world that tries to define freedom as license, in a world that tries to redefine family in opposition to God's design, we could be truly free by Jesus free from spiritual bondage, free from social pressure, and free to serve Christ fully. If you're concerned about our society, if you're concerned about our nation, if you're concerned about mainstream culture, the main place to start, the first place to start, is to start with Jesus, and to make sure that you live in his freedom. And when you live in his freedom, then you can share that freedom with others. Singles, widows, widowers, remember, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Would you stand with me? As we respond to God's word today, if you're living according to God's design today, I want to encourage you to live in that freedom, to live fully with confidence, relying on Jesus. If you're single here today, embrace that. Embrace your status. 
It may be single for a season. It may be single for a lifetime. But embrace the status and then live in the freedom that Christ gives you. Not in the freedom that the world offers, but the freedom that Christ brings. And serve him with undivided devotion. And married people, be an encouragement to singles. Welcome them into your lives and your homes and your communities. Let them be a part of your extended family. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your call in our lives. I thank you for the freedom that Christ came to bring us. And Father, I pray that you teach us how to live in that freedom. I pray that if anyone here is living in bondage, is caught up in something less than your design, that they would look to you, reach out to you, and that you would deliver them from sin, bondage, from addiction, from lies, unto true freedom, true life, true fulfillment. Call them out of the darkness into your beautiful light right now. Do your work among your people. Call singles, call marrieds to live fully for you right now. As we sing this song of the one that is our lover, the one that makes us complete, you think about how you need to respond to God's word today.